This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 401. Comic reviews for the releases from Wednesday, August the 17th. This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 401. This is our Comic Reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, August the 17th, otherwise known as The Week Comics Came Out While I Was On Vacation. How dare they? I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, usually we like to take a look at the comics that came out the week before. Uh, this time I'm recording this on the 25th of August, so it's been eight days since these comics came out. But as I mentioned, I was on vacation, busy recording the insane six-hour odyssey that was episode 400. Uh, so forgive me that I did not get a chance to read uh, as many books nor get this out uh, in, in as much of a timely uh, fashion and manner as I would usually uh, hope to do so. Uh, this episode will probably be going up either late on the 25th or early on the 26th. So we are late no matter how you look at it, but the next episode will be up in a couple days. Um, We'll be getting back on track. It'll be episode 402, Our Conversation with Ron Mars. Uh, upcoming episodes, 404, I believe, should be a conversation with Scott Collins. Uh, 406 should be a conversation with Ron Friends. It's actually our second conversation with Ron Friends. Our first one was around this time last year. Um, so that's kind of the, some of the stuff we have in the works. I'm um, still working on uh, other interviews that will be coming up later down the line. Um, if you have, if there's anyone you'd like to hear me talk to or maybe have back on the show, email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Uh, let me know who it is, and I am always open to try and get people on the show. Um, there's, uh, we've been trying for a long time to try and see if we can get Butch Geis in the show because a uh, friend, friend of the show, Matt Miller, is a huge fan of his work, and I'm like, oh, man, it would be awesome to have him on the show, especially because he illustrated one of my favorite books, which is Ruse at CrossGen. Uh, back in the early 2000s, but unfortunately that hasn't uh, come to fruition. Uh, but you never know. So I, I like to pepper these people with requests because eventually sometimes people say yes. Some people will never say no. I don't think I'll ever get Dan Slott on the show, but he's uh, a very hard get for most places these days. Uh, unless Marvel basically sits him down and says, you have to do this interview, he probably doesn't have time to do it otherwise. Uh, so let's jump right into some of the comics that came out on the 17th. First, we have uh, Batman number 5. Uh, the Batman books are really doing well. I've actually already read Detective Comics that came out on the 24th, which I would say is a fantastic book that I can't wait to talk about next week. Um, I really dug this. Uh, it was a very solid, enjoyable read. It's uh, part of the I Am Gotham storyline. This is part five, written by Tom King, our work by David Finch. Um, it's Batman versus Gotham, uh, as well as we have uh, Gotham Girl as well. Um, Justice League makes an appearance. It was entertaining. Um, not so sure about the ending. They kind of, they did definitely kind of delved into more exactly how Gotham and Gotham Girls' powers works and basically the trade-off that they've made in order to have these powers. Um, the ending is what kind of gave me a little bit more pause. Like, I was totally into it, really enjoying it until the very end. And then I wasn't really sure, because there's internal narration, uh, which is from the future from Gotham Girl, which I was kind of like, mm, really? I don't know. Um, I, it just, that part kind of took me back, and I don't know if I really liked that part. Everything up until that, I liked it. I'm not going to mention exactly what it is, because it is a spoiler. I mean, obviously, I spoil the crap out of these things normally, but I don't necessarily think that's something I need to to spoil in order to tell you about the issue. It's just something that happened in the last page that, personally, I didn't really 
I don't know how I really reacted to that or how I'm supposed to react to that even. Like, it's just, it's odd to see it here because it's from the future. I'm going to give it an 8, though. It was a solid read. Uh, next up is Amazing Spy... Oh, sorry. Civil War Two, Amazing Spider-Man, number 3. I really dug this. Issue 2 was great. I loved it. Christos Cage really made me care about uh, Clayton Clash and... Um, I'm really intrigued by this book. Um, as I said, Christmas Gage is writing a travel form and an art. Uh, it, this issue, I really like the art, especially. Uh, I like the use of Robot Master. I like Clash going up against Robot Master, and then Clash kind of ends up uh, teaming up with Spider-Man. I like how their relationship is going and all the things that Clash is dealing with. And Clayton, he's struggling with so much, and you know he's trying to be able to have a life and not be defined by his past mistakes, but sometimes those mistakes do color you in some way. He almost at times felt like Jean Valjean, maybe a little bit less heroic and noble. Um, and I'm excited to see where the last issue goes. What I'm liking about some of these Civil War tie-ins so far is that they obviously use Civil War as a springboard, but they are actually, in a lot of ways, better than Civil War itself. Like, they're not actually tying into the main kind of fight or the lines being drawn. They're just kind of taking place in this world where Ulysses has these visions, and how do these visions impact where they go with their lives and decisions that they make? And that is, I think, a very smart decision. Uh, it allows it to these books, and we're going to talk about two more of them, to actually be quite entertaining. Uh, as I said, this this has become the Clayton Clatter... Um, Clayton Clash book, and I would not have expected that prior to reading it. Like, I just, prior to it, I was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, the, kind of the obligatory Spider Man tie in crossover book, but instead it ended up being much more. Next up is Civil War II Gods of War number three, and this is another book where, if it wasn't for the fact that it's called Civil War II, it would really just be the second arc of Hercules, and I mean that in a good way. Um, obviously, it takes place during uh, Civil War II. Again, we have the fact that. Ulysses has been around, but it even has played up a lot less than it was in Amazing Spider-Man, because here it's just Hercules has been around, they've seen him, but they're not really worried about kind of being part of Hercules' thing. They're only here because Hercules is potentially a danger to everyone. Um, I really enjoy this. I'm excited to see where we go from here. Um, I think Abnett's been doing a great job on this book uh, and keeping his ongoing storyline moving. And I really like that Hercules book. I'm, the only thing I'm sad about is that we don't have Luke Ross in art. That being said, Emilio Lazo is doing a great job as well, uh, kind of tapping into the same type of um, the same type of artwork, same type of style. Uh, I really dig this. And again, I, I don't necessarily think Hercules is always the most interesting character, but there are writers who can make him interesting. Abnett is obviously one of them, and Greg Pak is another. Uh, I'm going to give this book a, a, another eight. This is this is looking like a good week so far. We're going to get a, we're getting a lot of good uh, a good stuff came out the week I was out of town. Uh, next up is Civil War II, uh, X Men number three. This is, again, very interesting, written by Colin Bonarok by Andrea Bacardo. I thought it's extremely well-written. Um, Colin Bun gets how to write Magneto. He gets how to write Storm and the, you know, the various factions of X-Men kind of going up against each other. Obviously, it takes place within the Civil War II universe, 
Um, but again, it's not about the, the core kind of conflicts in that book. It doesn't care at all. It's completely about their own X-Men thing and how they're impacted by the fact that Ulysses even exists and how that could be used against them at some point. And given that we know that we're going to be getting the X-Men in Humans War and that obviously um, mutants aren't a big fan of Inhumans because of the Terrigen Mists and what that can in the Terrigen Clouds, um, I, I thought this was really good. It really felt like it was an important story and one that actually moves the X-Men's overall storyline forward in a way that you may not expect from a tie-in book. Because from tie-in books, you don't always know if they're going to end up tying into other things. Now, the fact that Colin Bunn is writing it definitely makes me feel better. Just like uh, Christos Gage writing The Amazing Spider-Man one feels makes you feel better about that because he's an upcoming co-writer on Amazing Spider-Man when Dan Slott is working on Clone Conspiracy. So it's not like these, these guys aren't going to be in some way... Uh, um, affecting and shaping their characters' lives, they actually are involved, and that makes me feel always a little bit better about reading these tie-ins because they don't feel as ancillary. They feel more important. They feel like they actually could have impact. It's kind of like how uh, Mark Wade and Dugan wrote the original Sin tie-in for uh, Hulk and Iron Man. They were the original. They were the writers of those particular books at that time, so it made sense that they would be writing it. And um, it, you know, I felt like those books. Um, were consistent in tone and didn't feel like throwaways. They actually felt like they were still important. It was because the, the regular writers were writing them, and that, that is a huge thing. I can't even undersell that, that that is a huge part of what makes these particular tie-ins feel less extraneous and actually more important. Obviously, they don't really feel like they mean much in the grand scheme of the storyline, um, but in terms of their own storyline, they, they actually are you know, very important. Uh, next up is uh, Civil War II, The Fallen, number one. Um, I really liked this. I thought it was really good. It was written by Greg Pak, artwork by Mark Bagley. I don't know where Bagley finds the time, but okay. Uh, so he does this uh, this book where we have the funeral of, um, of Bruce Banner and the fact that, you know, it's a difficult thing to deal with. And uh, we got to see, you know, the Silver Surfer shows up. He shares the pain. He tries to calm people that are protesting the Hulk. And you have the appearance of the Warbound. Like, it just felt like we're getting a lot of good introspection here. That, and Greg Pak is the guy to make it work. And I almost forgot about the Warbound guys. I didn't even remember that No Name was even alive. Um, I, I like that we go in different directions because we have Betty, you know, meeting with her father. We have... Um, uh, you know, the Warbound finding Scar. We have Rick Jones, um, you know, trying to figure out what to do. Then we have them finding the, the will from uh, Bruce Banner. And that was actually quite a good moment as well for all the different characters. Um, I like the egg timer in, in particular. I liked, um, the only thing that didn't work, I mean, it's it's one of those things that you do in comics, but, like, it's kind of hokey, was She-Hulk crying, even though she's, like, unconscious and, like, hooked up to tubes, uh, because somehow she knows that Bruce is dead. Um, I thought it was really entertaining, although I did like that Amadeus Cho was like, no, I'm not doing this, like, he's pissed off, and that kind of leads into what we've already seen in the recent issue of Totally Awesome Hulk. Um, this was really good. I feel like it should have come out a couple weeks ago, and maybe it was originally supposed to, and now it's been delayed. Uh, very entertaining. Uh, Greg Pak knows how to write a Hulk story, or knows how to write a story memorializing the Hulk as well, apparently. Um, I really dug this. Again, I have not been... I've been vocal about how much I enjoyed um, Greg Pak's current run on Totally Awesome Hulk, and this felt like a nice extension of that, and felt very organic to the characters. Even though the character's demise may not have felt more that 
organic in that in the Civil War book. But at least it's interesting. We got the great like one of my favorite kind of just banner stories in Total the Awesome Hulk. It's just so introspective and beautiful. Then he gets killed off unceremoniously in Civil War Two, and then we have again a really nice coda to the character. And it's all thanks to Greg Pak. No thanks at all in this case to Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, next up, Justice League number three. Uh, I continue to enjoy this. Um, I'm really excited about this kind of direction of it. Superman's more involved. The villain's kind of boring, but um, it's it's about the interplay between the heroes for me and not necessarily the a little bit forgettable villain. Uh, it's written by Brian Hitch, artwork by Tony S. Daniel. Um, Dan- Daniel's artwork is gorgeous. I really liked how you know Batman came to recruit Superman with Cyborg. Um, I like how Superman kind of has that discussion with his wife and then leaves his cape behind for them and then kind of heads into the into the heart of the sun. Uh, very intriguing, very interesting. I'm excited to kind of see where we go from here and how Superman... And, like, I like at the end that Superman's like, I don't know what to do. That's not something you're used to seeing, you know, especially this version of Superman so far has kind of had a lot of the answers, like, because he's the... He's the antithesis, not the antithesis, that's the wrong word, but he's he's the grown-up, you know? He's not the pre-New 52 Superman who kind of was the hot-headed one who just kind of ran in, usually. This Superman has seemed to have more of a plan, typically. Um, which is part of what I like about him. He feels like a Superman who's not just an impetuous, you know, newcomer to being a superhero. I'm going to give it an 8. Uh, so far, I think that's 8s for everything. So this is just the 8-week. Uh, next up, we have Nightwing number three, which is also going to be an eight. This was really enjoyable. Uh, great interaction between Nightwing and Babs, as well as Raptor. Um, I'm liking where they're going with this relationship between Dick and Raptor. Um, and yeah, very, very entertaining. Very good. Um, Tim Seeley is just killing it here. And Javier Fernandez has some amazing art. And the whole premise of them being in this, you know, this guy who makes, you know, mazes and being in his house and trying to figure out their way through it, I thought was actually a really uh, cool concept and a nice way of kind of showing up some of um, Nightwing's, you know, um, acrobatic tendencies as well. I really dug this. Uh, Next up is Spider-Woman number 10. This was fantastic. Um... This is a really entertaining issue. It's interesting. It's not by the regular creative team. Well, sorry. It's by Dennis Hopeless. Leo, it's by Jen, by Javier Rodriguez. Finishes by Veronica Fish. So um, it's not like it's a pure Rodriguez production, but you can definitely see his artwork here. Um, really enjoyed this. The idea that Jessica, jo- Jess, or Jessica Jones, Jessica Drew doesn't necessarily trust Ulysses and the, these predictions, so they she kind of goes out hoping to prove one of them wrong. Um, it doesn't quite go the way she hopes it, when, but at least because she was there, she was able to, you know, save someone's life. She just tries calling Carol and telling her about how she trusts everything, and then she finds out about the death of Bruce Banner, and she is not happy about it. Um, I'm excited to kind of see how these two best friends come to blows in the next issue, um, especially given, I, I can't even remember, but I guess Spider-Woman did have a relationship with Clint. So the fact that he killed someone, like that's not going to set well with her either. I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Big surprise there. Next up is Superman number 5. Uh, remains intensely enjoyable. Um, it's uh, you know Superman versus the Eradicator, um, but he's not alone. Uh, we have him taking his family up to the... Um, into, well, basically up, up to the moon and to try and protect his family. That's right. Is it even in the moon? I can't even remember. He's somewhere. Uh, he's basically, 
he finds out that I guess Batman has like a Batcave on the moon or something. I, again, it's been a little while since I've read it. Uh, I've read, I read, I think it was one of the first things I read. So I've written like eight or nine comics since then. I already can't remember what's happening. But it was an enjoyable issue with the uh, Eradicator and trying to figure out a way to stop the Eradicator. Um, and Superman kind of talking to the souls of the dead and being able to figure things out. Uh, it was actually quite interesting. Um, I'm going to give it a big surprise, an eight, because this is the week of eights. Uh, and last but definitely not least is Uncanny Avengers number 12 um, this actually may not be an 8 uh, it was okay, I wasn't super enthralled with it um, it's written by Jerry Dugan, our work by Pepe Larraz. Um it's basically you know continuing to fight against the Hank Pym uh, possessed or at least Hank Pym body but um, it's secretly or not so secretly anymore, Ultron pulling the strings, going up against the Avengers. Uh, very much an you know, emotional battle. Um, kind of interesting how it ends as well. Um, I'm not going to give it an 8, though. I think it's more of a maybe a 7. But still, that's a damn good week when um, you know, the aggregate is going to be you know very high. So the books I didn't get a chance to read yet include Aquaman, uh, Background, Birds of Prey, Dr. Fate, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns, uh, Suicide Squad, Supergirl Rebirth, uh, Back to the Future number 11, Uncle Scrooge has a new issue, All New Humans, All New Wolverine. Oh, I didn't even know there was an All New Wolverine issue. Oh, i got to get on that. Uh, new issue of Black Widow. How did I miss that, too? Um, Gwenpool, Mighty Thor, Mockingbird, Ultimates, Web Warriors, etc. Uh, when we take a look at the books that came out uh, this coming week, and by this coming week I mean yesterday, on the 24th of August, uh, a lot of good stuff coming out, but some of the highlights include new issues of Action Comics, which is great, a new issue of Batgirl, Blue Beetle Rebirth, new issue of Detective Comics, the, uh, I think the launch of Deathstroke as well, now that the Rebirth, Rebirth issue is, is out of the way, new issue of Flash, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, uh, let's see, a new issue of Teen Titans, which has not ended yet, uh, the second issue of the newly relaunched Titans, fifth issue of Wonder Woman, uh, I don't know why I said it that way, not Wonder Woman. I said in this weird Wonder Woman, like this weird staccato rhythm. Uh, we got uh, Mickey Mouse Short Season 1, number 2 of 4. Uh, Rom has its second issue, as well as uh, the Strawberry Shortcake number, Shortcake number 5 scented variant uh, over at Image. Uh, there's uh, Stock Girl number 2 coming out as well, and Lake of Fire number 1. Uh, from Marvel, there's uh, the trade paperback for the Amazing Spider-Man Amazing Grey storyline, which personally I didn't really enjoy. We got the fourth issue of Captain America Steve Rogers, Civil War Ulysses number one of three. I believe that's the print version of a Infinite comic. I could be wrong. New issue of Captain Marvel, Deadpool, um, Extraordinary X-Men, Drax, International Iron Man. There's the De- Defenders Epic Collection trade, trade paperback called Six-Fingered Hand Saga. Uh, we have the Deadpool World's Greatest Trade Paperback Volume 3, Deadpool vs. Sabretooth. Uh, Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur has a new issue. New Avengers, Nighthawk, Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat. Star Wars, number 22. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Uncanny and Humans Annual, number 1. And a new issue of Venom Space Knight, as well as the X-Men trade paperback for Extinction Agenda. It's a new printing. Uh, as well as uh, X-Men paperback for worst X, X-Man ever. So that's everything, or not everything, but that's some of the highlights of books coming out on the 24th of August, or as I speak, uh, yesterday. And by the time this goes up, maybe even two days from uh, ago. So thank you for listening to this episode. As I said at the beginning of the episode, you can catch us 
next with episode two, 402, which will be coming out in a couple days, uh, which will be our conversation with Ron Mars. He is the creator of the Kyle Rayner character. Um, so we got to talk to him about that. We talked to him about his run on, on Silver Surfer, uh, his time at CrossGen, his time on Witchblade, and various other things. It was a really enjoyable interview, at least for me. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. So thanks again for listening to this review episode, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.